Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Happy Sunday. Uh, We'll have a word of prayer. Father, we just ask now that we can hear your word, hear your spirit. Fill us now with the Holy Spirit. Lord, you have designed that we would be here this morning to gain something that we need. Before the world was created, you had designed this morning to be a morning where we would be receiving from you a gift. Receiving from you something that we need. And so, Lord, we come anticipating boldly before your throne of grace, asking, Lord Jesus, that you hear our cries and prepare our hearts. Allow our hearts to be open to your word. Allow us, Lord, to truly be ready to grow in faith. Lord, help us grow in our hatred of our our evil, of our unbelief, of our rebellion. Lord, grant to us hearts that will seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Living Christ, you are the vine, we are the branch, and we ask now that we would experience the abiding and that your life, your fruit, your love would come overflowing into us, especially in those areas we are most wounded and most hurting. And deliver us from all the darkness. Deliver us from the world and the flesh and the devil from ourselves, and from all lies. And through your word now liberate us, through your spirit empower us. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. It's a joy to be here today with you all, and we're going to talk about how to live a sane, stable, sober, and spiritual life. Now, I just gave you my definition of success. By the way, what is your definition of success? See, that's the most important thing in the world because you are living out what your gut tells you you have to do in order to succeed. Everyone does. doesn't matter whether the person's an atheist, a Buddhist, a Christian. Whatever it is that is your real Monday morning gut definition of success, that's what you and I, we live. We live by that. Sometimes we don't even know what that is because we haven't let ourselves know. We haven't examined ourselves enough to know, well, what is it that I believe is success? But that is critical because you and I will live moment by moment, day by day, really by whatever the strongest faith is that we have. And you see, there's sometimes a huge difference between our Sunday morning faith and our Monday morning faith. See, on Sunday, we kind of know we better say what we're supposed to say or somebody's going to come over and hit us in the head with a Bible, and that hurts. And so we avoid saying anything that's going to get us in trouble on Sunday. But on Monday morning, if you listen to yourself and listen to your heart, and if I listen to myself and I listen to my heart, that's when I find out, well, what am I really believing this day? So we're going to talk a little bit about that and how we can start living a sane, stable, sober, and spiritual life and how that actually can happen. Because, by the way, just because we come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior doesn't necessarily mean we're living a sane, stable, sober, and spiritual life because it just hasn't made sense yet. So we're going to hopefully find our way 
to that. And that will be our hope today. We're going to look at Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. And hear the word of God. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let him be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, what is good and pleasing and perfect. Paul is actually picking up here on Romans 6, 7, and 8, and then he goes off in 9, 10, and 11 to deal with a question saying, well, wait a minute, what about Israel? And so he spends three chapters explaining how God's going to be faithful to Israel as well in bringing people into a living, transforming faith in Jesus. And then in chapter 12, he goes back to what he was saying in Romans 6, 7, and 8. And we have to understand that because what Paul's saying is, is I want you to go before God as a living and holy sacrifice. Well, you see, there it's a problem because by definition, sacrifices are dead. You all know that, right? There are no, I mean, you're either living or you're a sacrifice. Living sacrifice is a contradiction. How can you be a living sacrifice? Well, there only has been one living sacrifice, and that is Jesus. Jesus was God the Son who became the Son of God, and he went on the cross, and he suffered for our sins, and he was raised again, and so he's the living sacrifice. In Romans 6, Paul goes, don't you know, and for the most part we don't know, don't you know that you have been crucified with Christ? You have been buried with Christ. You have been raised with Christ. You've been ascended to Christ. You are now your true life is at the right hand of God the Father, for you are in Christ. And therefore, you can present yourselves before God. You can present yourselves before the throne of God, which is now a throne of grace, in him, which means in Christ. And only when you figure out on Monday morning, when you look in the mirror and you say to yourself who you are in Christ, can you begin to live a life of sanity, stability, sobriety, and spirituality. Because outside of Christ, we got nothing. I mean, the bottom line is every promise of God is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And outside of Jesus Christ, well, I'm in trouble. Because there's no way in the world I can make it. Norm does not have the ability to make it without Jesus. And so it's really important that we understand what he's saying is he wants us to come before God to worship God in Christ. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means, first of all, you stop trusting in your own goodness. See, if, if God was to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say to him? Now, I've actually asked since 1972 thousands of people that question. Isn't that wild? Really true. I've asked thousands that question. And the vast majority of people they start off with this, I, I've done the best I can. I never hurt anybody who didn't deserve it. 
I never stole anybody from, from anybody but the government because they don't need the money anyway. So, it, but it, it was, it, you know, I, I, I followed the golden rule. I, 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 And what they're depending on is themselves. They don't need a savior. They're their savior. Now, a lot of them are not quite sure how it's going to work out. They have some concerns and worries that maybe what they've done isn't enough, but actually, in America today, only, according to Gallup, only 7% of the people feel they have failed God enough to worry about hellfire. Some 89% know for sure they've been good enough without Jesus, without anybody, without any Savior to make it into heaven. So one of the reasons why a lot of times non-Christians aren't really interested in salvation is they don't feel lost. So my friend, I don't know, where are you today? Do you know him? See, the first part of becoming a Christian is you have to kind of say something really hard, and that is, if it's up to me, and I tell God why he should take me based on what I've done, well, if we all have fallen short, have, we failed to love. You see, all sin is a failure to love. I haven't loved God the way I should love God. I haven't loved my neighbor the way I should love my neighbor, and I definitely haven't loved my enemies. You do know Jesus requires that of you, right? That's one of those wild things. What? What did that say? Love my enemies? What kind of insanity is that? Well, you see, there's this absolute demand that we have the love of God. God the Father loves his enemies. He, he blesses both believers and unbelievers. He gives them life. He gives them time. He's patient, not willing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So, you see, you have to come to that point. See, if I come before God and he says, Norm, why should I let you into my heaven? It's going to be this. Jesus, only Jesus. Now, what would I really think I could add to Jesus? You ever think about this? Jesus died for my sins, was buried, raised again. He suffered hellfire for me on the cross, and I helped the little old lady across the street. Really? you got to be real. I mean, do I really think that whatever I could do could add anything to what Jesus has done? Not if I understand what Jesus has done. And that I needed a radical answer to my radically bad life. And that radical answer, well, that was the unbelievable and that the blood of God, Acts 20, 28, the blood of God would be shed for me so that I could go free. And now Jesus has been raised from the dead. And by the way, if you wonder about that, just go ahead and look up uh, the uh, Case for, for Christ the movie, 2017. I know that's ancient history about now, but nevertheless, 2017. Case for Christ talks about Lee Strobel, who was an atheist and went out to disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as many before, including myself, failed because... It's a huge historical reality. Whether you're an atheist or whether you're a Christian or whether you're anything else under the sun, the history says Jesus was raised from the dead. And you got to deal with it. And the best way to deal with it is to accept this living Christ as your living Lord and Savior. So my friend, if you're here and you just happen to be in church, someone dragged you here. It was, you know, you didn't know what to do today, so you walked into the church building, but you don't know him. I urge you today to say yes, 
Behold, he stands, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone opens the heart of his life to him, he will come in and have fellowship with you. It's really this simple. All you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, help. Everybody just say out loud, Lord Jesus, help. Go ahead. That's it. Has never turned away a sincere heart. You cry out in desperation and say, Lord Jesus, help, and he comes. Isn't that great? Because you see, he's a very merciful Savior. You may not have all the answers. You may not understand it all, but I will tell you this. He is ready to give you new life because that's why he came, to be Savior, to be Lord, to be prophet, priest, king, to get us out of the mess. You know, the video was saying, how many people here saw fog this morning? You saw fog this morning? Yeah. If you didn't see fog this morning, you should not be driving because that would be bad, okay? Because there was fog this morning. And do you ever feel in your life that you're living life in a very foggy condition? You ever feel like, I can't see what's coming. I, I, I can't see anything happening. I, I'm really feeling closed in. Yeah, that fog, sometimes that's where we are in life. So how can we do away with that fog? Well, it says here, in verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And when you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. What, for us to think like God thinks, we have to have gospel-centered thinking. Okay? This death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus has to be the way we look. It's like a pair of glasses. See, I'm legally blind. And um, I now have 2,400 vision. The state of Florida will not let me drive about these glasses on. How, you know, how tyrannical of them, right? So you see, suddenly, everybody in the room, you've just become blobs. You see? But when I get the right prescription, I see reality the way it really is. That's what the gospel is to us. It gives us the right prescription by which we can understand and see life and see God and see others and see all of reality through the eyes of God. And that's why Jesus came, to be our wisdom. So because, you see, not only is Christ the answer to getting our sins forgiven, being given eternal life, and, and to becoming, you know, a Christian and having the forgiveness of sins and getting the Holy Spirit... But Jesus is the answer to living this life day by day. The same gospel. Now I just have to know, well, what does it mean to apply the gospel, to live by faith in the gospel day by day? That's transforming. Now, the first part is you got to say no to something. you got to say no to what the American culture will tell you is true. Uh-oh. Yeah, don't trust Hollywood. Oh, please don't trust Hollywood. They're messed up people out there. Pray for Hollywood. They need your prayers. If those movies represent what they think life is, we got a problem, right? You realize the only people who don't have sex in movies are people who are married? It's true. If you just believed Hollywood, you would say, boy, married people never have sex. So you see, we... you. Rome, in the time of Paul, was a messed up culture. And America, 2022, 
we're pretty messed up. So do not get your worldview. Don't get your prescription from the American culture. Does that make sense? So you got to say no to something as well as saying yes to something. And you've got to self-consciously say, I don't want to think the way the culture thinks. And it's hard. I have a man that right now, he's totally convinced God hates him. But he only hates that because, you see, he, cre- he, he came up with a belief. If God loves you, you never suffer. Well, then God doesn't love anybody because everybody's suffering. Of course, he's personalized it. He, of course, is thinking there's some people out there that aren't suffering. But, you see, as long as he holds to that belief, he's depressed. Of course he's depressed. I'd be depressed if I believed that. You see, what you believe impacts how you feel. And yeah, there's Sunday morning belief where we say we believe some stuff, and then there's Monday morning, and what you've got to tune into, and what I have to tune into, is how does my Monday morning belief differ from my Sunday morning belief? See? See, everybody has a core faith, has a gut faith, has that deepest faith, and it can be double-minded. It can be one day I'm kind of in tune with the gospel, and the next day I'm kind of out of tune. In fact, one moment I can be in tune, one moment I'm off. You know Peter, he's, he's really great. He says, and who do you say I am? You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. He's quoting Psalm 2. He's got, what, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. And then instantly Simon loses it. He starts telling Jesus he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's not going to accept him dying on the cross. And then the Lord has to say, get behind me, Satan. See how quickly you can go? One moment he's preaching the gospel. One moment he's got his head on straight. And the next, he's taking the side of the enemy. Now that's true for Peter. It can be true for Norm. So I've got to guard my thinking. I've got to guard my heart. I've got to guard the way I process things because it's easy to go astray, right? So whatever your faith is, you see, our faith governs our thinking. And so we work out of the basic way we've defined life. How do, what do I believe about God? What do I believe about myself? What do I believe about others? And it's out of that, I, all my thinking. And then I start talking to yourself, myself. By the way, it's okay. We know you do it. So does everyone else. You don't have to hide, okay? You're talking to yourself somewhere between 10,000 and 15,000 words a day. And it's out of that self-conversation, that, that mega story you tell yourself about your life, that your emotions are created. The emotional mind was created to believe you. Now, there is one person on this planet that always believes you 100% of the time, even when you lie, and that's yourself. (laughs) You know, whatever you tell yourself, oh, it's hopeless, nothing in the world can ever go right in me. And your emotional mind says, okay, pull up despair, sounds like despair is the proper emotion to handle that. And suddenly we feel despair. Why? We talked ourselves into it. So you're talking yourself right into your emotional state. Now there's one other factor. Biology. Stay up three days and you're a mess. Okay? So there can be some chemistry. Also, by the way, if you put in certain things like excessive alcohol, drugs, they mess up your emotions too. We all know this, right? Amen? In other words, you got to be careful of your body because your body can impact your brain. And so there's times when you need to go to a doctor and say, hey, what do I need to do to get my body from sabotaging my emotions? 
that's a perfectly okay thing to act. But you can think and say, I think my body is sabotaging my emotions. But 90% of our problem isn't that. It's our self-talk. Because, see, we have to begin to really preach the gospel to ourselves on Monday so that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Go ahead and say that with me. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So you see, the thing is, you got to not just preach Jesus to yourself on Sunday, and you don't need to just hear somebody like me preaching Jesus to you on Sunday. You need to preach to yourself Jesus every moment of every day, because that's what will be what builds your faith. The greater your vision, this is my prayer, by the way, I pray this every day, Lord, let me see you more clearly, that I might love you more dearly, that I might follow you more nearly day by day. You see... We are going to be perfect in heaven because we see him face to face. 1 John 3, by the way, if you want reference. And now we only see in a mirror darkly, but then face to face. But you can shine the mirror. You can focus on the mirror. You can get the clearest vision of Jesus you possibly can. And the greater your vision of Jesus, the greater your faith. And the greater your faith, the more that your thinking will be gospel-centered thinking. And the more your mind is gospel-centered thinking, the more your self-talk will be you're telling yourself the gospel. And by the way, you can reverse it. You can just start off and say, boy, I need more faith. Well, preach to yourself Jesus. You can, it flows the other way. You can go from preaching Jesus to the Holy Spirit, then creating more faith and getting your thinking right. So the self-talk thing is really critical. What am I telling myself? Some of us don't even pay attention to what we tell ourselves. Listen to yourselves come next Monday. Say. And then your emotions will get in line with the kingdom. You know, I was talking to a guy this week. He said, he got really upset with me. He said, I'm not an emotional man. <laughs> he didn't quite see the contradiction about the whole thing. <laughs> How dare you accuse me of being emotional? A lot of guys are like that. We like to pretend. You know, most people end up in prison because I did something emotional. You know that? Yep. Yep. Well, go ahead and check out who's in prison more, men or women. Men. So many men are not as cool and collected as they would like to think they are. And by the way, every human being, man or woman, we're all running our lives. Our actions and our words come out of our emotional state, and our emotional state ultimately comes out of our faith. So what do I believe? This last week, how did you live? You lived according to your faith. Now, we have to figure out what reality is and then in a healthy way adapt to it. That, by the way, is my entire philosophy of life. I'm just trying to figure out what reality is and then in a healthy way adapt to it, okay? So the first thing is the unexamined life is rarely lived well. If you never ask yourself what you're thinking, you're not going to change because repentance is a change of mind. And you can't change your mind if you don't know what you're thinking, see? So you really have to move in that direction. Also, why, why do I believe this? Why do I hold to this? What is the why of my life? And what do you tell yourself as, far, as you live your life? So this Monday, what I want you to do, I want you to take some time to really think carefully and prayerfully about what am I saying to myself? Now, especially right after 
you mess up. Now you see, I know something. Sometime this week, I'm going to mess up. How many of you think that sometime this week you're going to mess up? Yeah? Boy, you have some very righteous people. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, trust me, your first problem is you're denying that you mess up every week, okay? So you can just confess that right now and get that out of the way. Because we all mess up every single week, okay? I know it's Sunday and you're supposed to lie, but no, we all mess up. Every single week, we need the blood of Jesus every single day. I do. I need forgiveness. I need grace. I need mercy every day. See? And you see, it's only when I can begin to admit where I'm wrong that I can get right. You see, you cannot solve a problem you deny you have. I do a lot of marriage counseling, and you know what will come in. It's very interesting. I have husbands come in, and they confess all the sins of their wives. Such a nice thing for them to do, take that burden off their wife, doesn't they? And then my, the wife will, of course, confess and has analyzed exactly the problems of the husband. The only problem is that I then say, well, what are you doing wrong? Deer in the headlight. Huh? Me? They don't see it. Now, we get all huffy and puffy and defensive when the other person says it, but you see, confession is coming into touch with, I messed up. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It says confess your sins to each other. doesn't say confess the other person's sins to them. No, confess your sins to the other person and your relationship will be healed. So you see, the only, by the way, the only sin that I can repent of, I can't repent of someone else's sin. I can't get them to repent. The only sin I have control over is mine. And if I won't own it, then I'll keep doing the same thing. We'll do, go back into insanity. That is, we'll do the same old thing the same old way and expect different results. See, this doesn't work. So, Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. The good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith in the gospel. As the scripture says, it is through faith in the gospel that a righteous person has life. So the question is, do you know him? I asked that at the beginning, but I ask it again. Do you know him? Do you really know him? Are you playing church? Are you just you know, coming to church to be told you're a good person? Sorry, I messed that up this morning. You're not a good person, neither am I. Okay? I'm a sinner that needs God's grace found in Jesus Christ, and that's my only hope. So do you know him? And then the other question, do I have a gospel-centered mind frame? When I approach a problem in life, do I, in fact, ask myself, how does Jesus relate to this problem? You know, I have this thing where I have a lot of married couples that come in and they'll say, they've been fighting all weekend, you know? Friday night they started the fight. Saturday they kept on fighting. Sunday they're in counseling. So they got a good two to three days of fighting. It's amazing. And then I just asked them a question. I said, have you prayed about this? I see thousands of people, and I've asked this question thousands of times. Less than 1% ever said they prayed about it. And Stephanie did not pray about it with their spouse. 
They have thousands and thousands and thousands of words. They've been speaking over three days in anger and frustration, and nobody thought about praying. You know why? Well, marriage is real. I mean, you know, come on. Marriage is real. That praying stuff, that's for Sunday. Mm. So you see, somehow or another, we don't even think the gospel has the power to come in and, and help us in our most desperate relationships. What would happen if every married couple in America said, well, before we fight, let's pray? I, I don't think it'd get any worse. I mean, I, I'd like to gamble on that, okay? I, I'm pretty sure that most likely somewhere, if they did real business with God, God, the God of peace might actually show them how to be in peace. The God of love might actually show them how to love. That remembering that Christ died on the cross and paid for all their sins and that they have been forgiven might help them forgive each other. Who knows? The gospel might relate. But you see, we shut it off. We treat it as though, well, the gospel, it doesn't relate to real life. It only relates to church life. Who said that? Jesus is King and King, Lord of Lords, and he's ruler of all life. Amen? All of life. He is, by the way, you can't, uh, he doesn't do the whole, you know, separation of church and state thing. No, he doesn't stay on this property and wait for you to show up Sunday, okay? He's, do you think you're leaving Jesus here and he doesn't know what's happening the rest of the days? Sorry. He's with you 24-7, okay? And so he's with you everywhere. There's no place in the universe where Jesus isn't king and Lord and Savior and helper and friend. Well, do you abide with him regularly? This is personal worship. Do you really make private worship? And I praise God for you folks here, public worship. Do you have that worship time? Because he said, John 15, he says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, then you will bear fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. You can do nothing without me. Go ahead and just say that out loud. I can do nothing Without Jesus. Without Jesus. Whoa. If that's true, that changes the universe. By the way, I have an unpublished book. If you want to uh, get it before it's published, you can just email me at norm at revealfellowship.com, norm at revealfellowship.com, norm at revealfellowship.com, or just call the church here, and they have it. And I will email you a copy of it because it's a devotional on John 15. And basically, the whole of life, the sane, stable, sober, and spiritual life can be experienced if I can figure out how in the world do I abide in Jesus and Jesus abide in me, and then his life comes flowing through me. That would be the most critical thing. I figured that out in Bible college. I said, oh, my goodness, this is the whole game. I'm still working on it, but I still know it's the whole game. All we really need to do is figure out how to get that presence and peace and life of Jesus into us. And if we do that, then, yeah, we will live sane, stable, sober, and spiritual lives. But that begins by developing a time of private worship. That's intense, not five-minute devotional, an intense time of seeking the Lord. A gratitude journal, Philippians 4 through 9, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice that everyone see that you are considerate in all things. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. 
His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So you may want to underline that. If we really get into deep prayer, then the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds. That sounds pretty good. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and receive from me everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. You know, psychology has caught up with the Apostle Paul. Paul is basically saying, if you look at the glass half full, if you begin to become grateful for everything God has done for you, if you focus on that positive and you dwell, the Greek word could actually make a full written account of it and repeat it to yourself, then, the, then you will, in fact, have less stress. Guess what? Psychology agrees. People who keep a gratitude journal where every single day they write down the positive things that happen and they do that for 90 days, they have less stress and less depression. So good news, the Apostle Paul was right again. Yeah? Science has proved him right. Now, you want to have a real adventure here. Go back to your earliest memories of your life and make a journal all the way up to the current time and write down every good thing that anyone ever did for you, every good event, every answer to prayer, and every good thing that God has allowed you to do for other people. The whole journal is only good. So good things that happened, good things that people did for you, good things that God you saw do for you, and good that you did for others. And you write that all down, and then every time you're having a blue day, read that journal. Because the whole idea that God has never done for you, well, yeah, you deny that. The fact that nobody ever did anything good for you, no, well, that's not true. The fact that I've never done anything good, no, that's not true. God has used you. And guess what? You'll find out the devil's a liar. That all of that stuff about your life not having purpose and never being blessed is all a lie. Because every one of us, we're not strong enough to be standing here except an awful lot of good was poured in our lives. In a variety of ways, okay? We got to get in touch with that, and that's one of the ways we keep the gospel, because all of those things are really the fruit of the gospel. So, listen to your self-talk. If you don't really understand Christian faith, find an older Christian and say, teach me about Jesus. You older saints, if you're looking at somebody and they don't seem to know, like, what's what, go say, hey, I'd like to teach you about Jesus. Do you know the older saints are supposed to be teaching the younger saints about Jesus. You all know that, right? Yeah. So everybody, if you say, I don't know what's going on, go find an older Christian and say, teach me. And if you're an older Christian, go find somebody who doesn't know, seem to know what's going on and say, hey, can I share my faith with you? Wow. I think that's called revival. That would be super, wouldn't it? Every single person in the body of Christ having a spiritual friend. So I'm going now... I'm going to ask you to think about how you're going to apply this. Because you see, if Sunday morning doesn't get into Monday, if we don't think about how we're going to respond, then it's really a waste of time. So I've been a pastor for many years, and I know there have been people that sat in a pew for 20 years. And they literally never change. And the reason why, because Sunday never ran into Monday. 
So I'm going to ask each of you to close your eyes right now and do some business with God. We're going to just take a moment to just be with the Lord. Sometimes even at church, we don't take moments just to be with the Lord. I'm going to invite you to really think about what has the Holy Spirit been saying to you while I've been talking. Maybe you're here and you say, well, I really, I don't even know my sins are forgiven. I don't know if I die today, I want to go to hell. So my friend, all you really have to do is say, I do believe, Lord Jesus, you died for my sin, that you're alive, and whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Maybe you know very well that you're not living a sane, stable, or spiritual life. You know you're not involved or following Jesus day by day, and you kind of forget Jesus when Monday comes, and you know that isn't right, but you need to begin to live by the gospel day by day as well as to believe it on Sunday. Maybe something else that was said, maybe something in the song struck you. Maybe there was a movement of the Spirit. The key here is that, you see, God ordained before the foundation of the earth that you would come here, and he had a gift for you in this service. And what I urge you to do is don't leave God's gift here in the sanctuary. By faith, say, Lord, I want you. I want what you offer me. I want that now. So just take a moment. Whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, whatever portion of the scripture spoke to you, whatever reality was that you need to be sane and stable and sober and spiritual, do that before him now. And he is there with you. He knows your thoughts. He knows your mind. He knows you inside out. Trust him. He is a good shepherd. He wants to bring the sheep home, even those that are most lost. Not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repent. How do you need to repent today? How, how do you need to get your thoughts aligned with his thoughts? How is your view not God's view of your life? What do you need to do to take a step of faith? And I'd like to pray for you. So if you feel that the Holy Spirit has touched you in some way, just raise your hand. I see that hand. Something where you would like prayer for something. Lord, you have seen your children. I ask especially for these who raise their hands, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and bring reality of what they most needed today. And Lord Jesus, we pray that today we will respond to your call to be gospel-centered people, to, to believe your gospel, not just on Sunday, but every day, to apply every aspect of life to your love. Lord, we need to be revived. We need to be renewed. We need to repent in deeper ways. Change our minds. Transform us, Lord. We don't want to just be reflecting the culture, baptizing it. We want to be uniquely your people living by your faith. 
Lord, we know you love to do this. We know that you're already doing more than we can imagine. So we ask now, Lord, pour out your love into our hearts and make us the incarnation of your love in every relationship we have. Lord Jesus, help us see you more clearly, that we would love you, Lord Jesus, more dearly, and that then following you would be simple. And we ask this for your glory, for our good, and that we would be good for to others. And all of God's people said, amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.